Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? And the FDA failed in this, and they, they allowed them not to submit the numbers for the absolute risk reduction, the ARR. So it literally takes 120 people to get two shots to decrease symptoms in one, one patient. And so of those 120, how many people are going to end up with autoimmune disease two to three years down the road? How many are going to end up with cancer two to three years down the road, or four or five years? We don't know. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already, and this is very, very concerning. We're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T cells that you want in your body. It's almost a, re a reverse HIV. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, October 27, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be guaranteed about an hour and a half or less today because I'm going to be joining uh, the Autonomy live stream in about an hour and a half. I don't believe that's open to the public. I'm not sure. I'll have to follow up on that and let you guys know, but I'm going to be talking to their audience in regard to getting some feedback about a series that I'm going to be doing for autonomy. And so I'm going to be joining them tonight. So I'll have a limited amount of time today. So I'm going to make this a focus show today as best as I can. <laughs> you know, I'm not good at that in general, but we're going to focus today as best we can and get this done in that period of time and hopefully be able to do that going forward. But we're going to focus today on some pretty important topics. Nothing is lacking importance these days that seems to be and all those topics are being ignored covered up distorted and it's just it never ends there's so many topics to cover today it's incredible what we're going to topic focus on today is a new myocard new myocarditis information that i think is really important that it really just opens the door further to what we already know but expanding on how clearly not only that it is wildly dangerous potentially one up to one in every 27 people taking this injection according to a new swedish study and some very high level people discussing this and 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 in general, how Biden just recently came out and said, like we've been telling you, and like they've already said before, by the way, that the majority of the deaths from COVID-19, whatever we're pretending that is, will be in the people that are not up to date. You know another way to say that? The majority of the deaths will be people who have been injected. Now, they can play this game about the majority. We're going to get into what that really is and show you how there's this gigantic portion of people, you know, the unvaccinated, that they don't even talk about anymore. I mean, they, there's comments made here and there, but it's no longer that it's the unvaccinated dying. Why wouldn't that be their focal point? Why wouldn't they say this clear portion of 20% of Americans, lots of people, are just falling over left and right because they're deadly in danger, in danger from this COVID thing and they don't have their shots, but that's not what's happening. That's the control group right there. Wouldn't that be important? And it is. And I'll show you again how that's such an obvious omission. 
and admitting that the people who had the injections are the ones suffering and just pretending like that's because that's like 99% of people. It's not. And they're lying to you, especially since the, the booster part of this is completely falling off or excuse me. And there I go taking their bait. The new bivalent injection is less than 5%. Now we're also going to talk about the excess death for a moment. And on top of that, the, the, cover up of the myocarditis problems, but people that are speaking out about this, the members of the European parliament, an Australian doctor and a grouping around them all standing up and calling out some really important information that we need to see. Here's a quick clip just before, in case we don't get to it, that I want you guys to see that I think is very, very important. We must face reality. The COVID gene based vaccines have undoubtedly failed to live up to expectations. These so-called vaccines do not prevent infection. They do not prevent transmission of infection, and they are not keeping people out of hospital. These so-called vaccines are not safe. They have caused more deaths and serious adverse effects than any drug in the history of medicine. Anyone who disagrees with these simple facts has just not bothered to look. Too many lives have been lost. The time has come to speak the truth. Here we go. Good for him. Now we're going to play more of that in, in, in a minute when we get through this today, but this it's important to see that this is not some fringe conspiracy theorist. This is not some small grouping. This is a high-level grouping of people in Australia, but everywhere around the world. I mean, look, we're talking about what you're seeing right here, which we'll get to also in the same segment. These are members of European Parliament. We've already shouted them out the moment that the one uh, Christian Teus, I believe, was one of the first people to stand up in this grouping and make this statement. And he's been attacked for it ever since. But, you know, this is the equivalent of members of, well, not exactly, but, you know, for the conversation's sake of like, let's say members of Congress standing up and saying this. But now we get in this part of the world today where, oh, but they're Republican members of Congress. Oh, so that's just completely dismissible. That's the world we're in today. Oh, it's peer-reviewed science? Oh, but it came from those people. Therefore, it's not the same thing. People just finding excuses to dismiss things, and very childish reasoning, too. It's just a caveat for the entire category of thing you just sold us on being the most important thing out there, except when this one guy points at it. You know, it's really, really childish, and they somewhere in there know that, but a lot of people at this level are speaking up and showing you this. Now, one other thing I want to shout out before we get started that we will get into, really important, is this discussion. U.S. citizens were given secret COVID decree violation scores. We, it, we, I, this is not even shocking. We shouldn't even be surprised by this. But we know this was happening. Israel, Canada all got caught for surveilling people illegally, like they care about that anyway, during the lockdowns and throughout COVID. We're finding out now, thanks, and I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Scott Armstrong from Rebunked, now under T-Lab, sharing this with me. I just wanted to quickly give the shout out to the person he said it came from. I'm just forgetting what he, the name. It's uh, an individual from Autonomy. That's I'm taking way too long and wasting too much time, but it's important. I want to say thank you to um, Jordan from the host of Liberty Radio. Uh, and it just, it, he shared this with Scott. He shared it with me. Good to shout, shout out where we can. But this is an important topic, not only because of the spying, which we all know, except when the NSA wants to say they're not doing it, and then they are for you, but now they're not again, but now they always were. You know, the game where they lie and then say they're not and then lie again, and you know, always, always, always they're lying to you and covering up what they're doing until they're forced to admit that they were lying, but for a good reason. You know, all oh, the forlorn heroes. This is about the social credit score. It's always been there, and now they're beginning to tally that up around COVID. It's always been there for 
credit cards and so on. But now it's around COVID-19 and it's always been there and they're using it now. That's the important part. It's already being folded in and it's really alarming stuff. But we're going to start off today with a really important shout out to Derek's recent work on uh, it's the one of the extensions. That, I mean, technically, this is its own little cover uh, one part of the story under the Utah investigation. But but it's under the Utah ritual. Uh, it's this under the tab right here. You can see Utah ritualized sexual abuse investigation, where we know that David Hamblin, David Lee Hamblin, David Lee Hamblin was just arrested on multiple charges, like the third time throughout the history of this whole process. And it's it's vindicating a lot of the work. But this was a focus story on on a woman named Kate who spoke with Derek, bravely spoke after be, have cover and being involved with this for a very long time and speaking on the record finally now that this is. She felt obligated to do so. It's entitled Former Associate of David Hamblin, Survivor of, Survivor of Ritual Abuse in Utah Comes Forward. And it's really powerful. And there's a video interview with him, with, with Katie and, and uh, Derek at the bottom. You can watch for yourself. It's very important. It, it was so much going on in the world. Sadly, this is not getting as much attention as some of the other, you know, Great Reset COVID focuses or even foreign policy. But it's it's important to have it there. Hopefully people will discover this and share it more because this deserves to be focused on. It's getting the entire investigation and the Mormon church conversation, or even let's just say the Catholic church conversation. Isn't it amazing how that conversation was disparaged and attacked and dis, you know and dismissed and not covered by the corporate media until they make movies about it? And finally, it comes out that it's pretty much ubiquitous and all the way around. Not every single person in the Catholic church, but that from the top down, the, the authorities, the leadership were covering up pedophilia. That's it's a it's crazy that we that's an open topic these days. The, the video or not it's not open. What's the anyways? I'm getting derailed. The point is that it's a real thing that happens all over the place that they're that they're covering up and getting caught for covering up, and yet it's barely a mainstream topic. The fact I mean, there's a story about Chilean priests, an entire parish uh, not parish but church, all resigning under ca of accusations of pedophilia. None of them got in trouble. This was years ago. But my God, so the point is this story needs to be talked about. It's important. Here is the page for the investigation thus far. I'm going to include this, the next one in part two, which is coming out with for this story on this as well. But these are really important. So I hope you'll take the time to check them out. Now, one quick thing I wanted to point out here that I think is really relevant to the manipulative world we live in. I saw this circulating again. My brother and I were talking about this. It's being shared on Instagram, like the, the horrible platform that it is and the way it always is on that platform, as if it's happening right now, because nobody reads on. They just look at the videos and, oh, my God, look at this. The folder changed. and everything. So this is an interesting story. And quite frankly, according to Snopes and the fact check, I don't even believe their argument for why it happened. The story is, and this is being circulated now, but it happened in 2020. It's not even a story. Apparently, they're admitting this happened. Chancellor Rishi, who is now the, the ruler, unelected ruler, he has a budget folder in regard to climate change that walk, when he walks out of the building, it's green, it's red, and then it turns green. And everyone's pointing this out. And you know what's interesting about this? Not Who knows what this is really about? What's interesting to me is what it shows you. One, that people talking about it then and even right now get called crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. How are you? What are you? You guys are just grasping at anything. Somebody lied and made it up. Well, admittedly, my first thought was somebody probably changed it and reposted the video. That's really not hard to do today. But guess what their argument was? Somebody did change the clip. And you know what they claimed it was? Sky News themselves to make a point, except they didn't tell anybody about it. So they didn't say anything about them doing it until after somebody pointed it out. And they said, oh, that was to draw attention to climate change. Well, then why didn't you point it out? <laughs> Watch it for yourself. It's very, very strange. 
It's a critical year for tackling climate change, and the government is committed to reaching net zero by 2050. But how much will coronavirus impact what? Boom. Obviously green, and it was red. Right. I mean, you can see that it was red. Would be a green budget. And so the green budget, climate change. I mean, you can read through this. Even the comments, and again from 2020, are all like, "What? What happened to the folder?" And people in the comments are like, "You're crazy." <laughs> And, and here's the cut, cut to the chase. Here's their Snopes, which, you know, not to suggest that we should trust what Snopes says. Of course, hope you don't think that ridiculous assumption because I'm constantly pointing out how this is used. But it doesn't mean what they say is always necessarily wrong. There's often times where there is things that happen that they do have serve an interest to Snopes by pointing out that it is wrong. It doesn't mean that it's because they want you to know that there's false things. It's because it serves their interest. But in my point here is that this is I don't even necessarily believe this argument. Tell me what you think. It says the video in question was posted by Sky News on March 11, 2020. And this was right in the beginning of the COVID pandemic, which is interesting timing. The overlap of him and climate change. I mean, everything. Like, we're watching pieces put together here that have nothing to do with what, yeah, well, not like he was voted in anyway. But it says Jonathan Samuels, a presenter for Sky News, explained himself on Twitter, and you can read it, that it was a creative choice to alter the color of this binder and not tell anybody. Made an editing to align with a voiceover script, which was about a green budget, which read as follows. It's critical year for tackling climate change and the government is committed to reaching net zero by 2050, which, by the way, they're destroying your life to do now. But how much will coronavirus impact what many believe would be a green budget? So they're saying they changed the color in order to emphasize the point. <laughs> I don't know. It seems ridiculous to me. And I just like I don't know what, what the, the real thing to me. The reason I wanted to point this out was because it's that easy. It's that easy, guys, for them to change something, even if it's a small detail. And you would never know, ever, unless they pointed it out, right? Now, let's just say it was something more subtle or something less subtle. Something. Let's just say it was something more important. Let's say it was an entire, a whole contentious conversation about whether he had the right thing or he stole this kind of folder and they just changed the color. How would you ever know? My point is it's not, it, look, I mean, it's, you wouldn't know. Let's factor this in when it comes to everything else. Entire deep fake videos, voiceover changes, everything. I mean, it's this is where we are today. It's very ominously strange to me that we don't talk about deep fakes. That's been around for a decade or more, probably way longer than that. And we're at a point now where it's indistinguishable. It's been that way for a long time. So I argue that's why we're not talking about it, because it's happening all the time by people in power. That's just my assumption, my guess. I can't prove that. But this was very telling, wasn't it? And the fact that it's being recirculated is probably intentional for all I know. But it's very, very strange. Very strange. Now, do you think it was because they wanted to emphasize a point and by doing so confuse people because they're really stupid and out of touch with the average person? Certainly possible. Or is it because there was a fake video? Was this itself a green screen? And they were faking it. And, they, you know, something like that. Who knows? We should ask ourselves these things. But of course, posing these questions to the up, you know, nose in the air, high end journalists out there today. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. How dare you discuss something that's certainly possible, albeit not necessarily likely. It's just funny how these people are have these. Oh, here I go. See, look, I'm catching myself in the moment. All this is peripheral. I shouldn't have gone into it. Let's jump to the next topic. OK, the most important thing of the one of the most important topics today that I think is really important is the fact that Biden just admitted yet again, yet again, that this is. The reality that they moments ago were saying you're crazy for thinking about, which is that the majority of people who are taking who are dying from whatever they're calling COVID are people that have injections in their body. And the next points after this are going to make it abundantly clear why that is. 
But listen for yourselves. Virtually every COVID death in America is preventable. Virtually everyone. Almost everyone who will die from COVID this year will not be up to date on their shots. Right. Up to date. Very different than fully vaccinated. Even fully vaccinated implies there's at least something going on already unless you took one of the other ones that they're not even pointing at anymore, right? So very clearly this was meant to be the case, right? But up to date. So that means that you've most likely had two shots or maybe even three or four if you got ridiculously, stupidly enough, two boosters before they came out with this new thing that we'll get to in a moment that the new study shows is at the very best, no better than before, which is dangerous. There you go. We'll get into it. And they're still telling people to do it. But there's no denying what he just said right there. The majority of people, the vast majority, are people who have gotten injections. Now, the reason this is so important to emphasize is because there's a gigantic portion of the population, millions of people who are not and have never been injected. Shouldn't that be, if based on their argument, they should be toppling over in the streets. People should, they should be piling up. Here's, an, here's the 20% of the population that's never gotten touched. It's way more than that, in my opinion. But we'll get into why they say that. And that's huge. But they don't focus on that. Shouldn't it be, here's the most obvious control group and look at them all suffering and dying? What about all the famous people out there that famously didn't do it, right? What about all the Republican talk, you know, uh, conservative talk, uh, pundits out there that that buck the system shouldn't they be waiting for them to collapse on air no but it's the opposite we're seeing all the people that got it collapse on air you see my point it's painfully obvious almost everyone who will die from covid this year will not be up to date on their shots or they will not have taken paxlovid when they got sick yeah, yeah, right, because paxlovid works really well. No, no. In fact, their own studies show that it work, basically has no effect, positive-wise, under 65, okay? And then on top of that, it's got their rebound thing a week later. So it basically helps nobody because the people that are over 65 are, I mean, I argue the detrimental effects of what they're giving them are dramatically dangerous because look, we, we went over all this in regard to the, I mean, even John Campbell did a great video on the, one trick pony that was Paxlovid when ivermectin, which is what they're trying to copy, is exponentially better. It's insulting. Everything they're doing is insulting. Everything they're doing is dangerous. I, I'm just tired of even anybody soft rolling this anymore. We're way past the point where we pretend like there's some kind of use for this poison that they're handing out to people. And I, I, I mean, somebody who's only just seen this show that's never seen all the other information, that might sound like crazy madness to them. You know, that they're just realizing maybe it doesn't stop transmission. <laughs> I mean, I'm realizing there are people out there right now that are just open in their mind to the idea that maybe it's not as safe and effective as I thought. And to, th to them, this sounds wildly ridiculous, despite the fact that we've gone step-by-step step building this using the peer-reviewed science and the evidence they don't want you talking about. It's interesting. But here's what I said, again, just to reemphasize my point. Just as we've been telling you, almost everyone dying from COVID has been ejected. He just said it himself. Notice they no longer reference the unvaccinated when making this point. Now, why would that be? Well, because they're not the ones getting COVID. It's pretty simple, right? Here is a Washington Post archive just because they make you pay paywall to watch this stuff or look at this stuff like they don't. I mean, anybody out there that wants to get past their garbage paywalls, just in case you want to see what the garbage is they're spending, use the back way back machine. Most people archive these things today. They do. It just this is what failing outlets do when they're trying to, you know, save themselves. See how vaccinations are going in your county and state. This was updated October 20th. It says the CDC of this month of this year, obviously, so the CDC said on Thursday that about 265.6 million people had received at least one dose of the vaccine. At least one. Now you could do the math for yourself right there. Approximately 19.4 million had gotten the updated bivalent booster shot. 
the highest level of protection against the virus. Sure. Like, you know how insulting that is to say when they know and they've even been forced to admit that natural immunity at the very least has an effect. We know that's that I'm saying that because of their arguments. The facts are that it's lasting, durable, robust, and it's shown all the way through Omicron. That's including what we're dealing with right now. Because the, the, the main studies have continued to find that if you got sick, especially back in the beginning, assuming this is what we're talking about, that your immunity was lasting, durable, robust, and continued to be durable, lasting, and robust to variants of concern that popped up, including Omicron. So the logic would apply that it continues in the same way, and that's what their statements were. And we're pretending like that's somehow not as good as something that barely works and wanes after three months and has lots of side effects? No, but they're going to tell you this is the highest level of protection within their vaccine paradigm, of course, or injection paradigm. But 19.4, which is a... Even that, I argue, are people that are being forced into because they have to do it for their jobs and so on, or this fringe, small grouping of people out there that they present as the majority that buy their lies. But here's the main point. 80%. That's what they're saying, is people that are at least one shot. So there's a lot of people who stopped after that first shot, which tells you one thing. But my point is there's a huge portion of people. There's 330-something million people in the country. So we're talking 20% of that. That is a huge portion of people. I don't even believe that, though. And look at this very clear caveat. The CDC reported on November 30th, 2021, that booster doses, whatever that would mean today, because they're conflating all of them together, including the new bivalent injection, are sometimes misclassified as first doses, which may overestimate first dose coverage. Well, that's not beneficial to them at all, is it? Because it may turn out that it's 70% or less than that, right? I mean, at the very least, it has to be 68 if you're claiming that they're fully injected. But there's so many caveats to this, whether they don't include certain age groups because of certain areas. The bottom line is even they're admitting 20 percent. And that's guaranteed to not be that much because of what they said right there. So a huge portion, millions of Americans have never touched this. And yet all they're pointing at are the people that have only gotten one or more and not are up to date. That tells you everything. I mean, it's just very clear. So the portion of population that they're pointing out are the people that have gotten injections. Why does that make sense to anybody? Here's what it was in April 28, 2021, right? So, uh, you know, quarter more of the way through last year, 55% of adults had only gotten one injection. So that only changed so many, like, so we got from 60 so to 80 that they're claiming, and that's using a conflation of the first shots to the same thing they do with all of this. There's also the 14 to 21 days being dumped back into unvaccinated and so on. But it shows you that people were dragged into this. People did not want this. They forced them by threatening, firing, lockdown, quarantining, you know, forcing people to do something they didn't want to do, forcing them to do it for their children, forcing them to do it so they could have the kind of food they wanted. I mean, there's a thousand ways that people were manipulated into this. And it shows you that they were dragged in, kicking and screaming. And still they pointed them as now on their side because we got it in them. <laughs> well, it just shows you that this is not the reality. As I keep showing you, you are the majority. Despite the numbers they're pushing over the edge, it's been that way, for, that way for a long time, especially now that only 5% of the eligible so far, and I'm sure that's fluctuated since I lost the statistic, have gotten the new bivalent injection. So even those that have been forced in this far are going, hold on now, I'm just done with this. Like, you know, but think about people that have to for jobs and so on. They've already gotten three it's hard for them to, to, to change their minds at that point, but I hope they're smart enough to do so. But here's the thing that they're hiding by all this, right? So first of all, we're seeing that they're admitting that the deaths are happening predominantly, the vast majority, in those with the injections. On top of that, we're seeing them hide everything else that's happening around that. And there's everywhere. I mean, excess deaths, myocarditis, everything. 
Here's what Dr. Eli David points out. Look at what climate change just did. Heart attack deaths jumped sharply among young U.S. adults in the second year of the pandemic. Right, because that makes sense. Well, of course, the people buying the narrative will say, well, because COVID causes heart attacks. Well, why didn't happen in 2020? Crickets. Right, there's no argument there. Okay, well, then there, there must be some answer. Well, that's not fair. That's not a, a fair that's not the that's not a fair argument, I should say. You can't just be like, well, we don't know, therefore we're going to take our argument at face value. No, it should be left un, un, that well, we know how this works. They will lean into it. They want to be the reality and that's partisan paradigm kind of stuff. Jump sharply among US young US adults. This is the pandemic or rather the the collapsing athletes manipulation. And I just use collapsing athletes as a quick kind of hashtag, but it applies to everybody. That's the alarming thing we're seeing. And it is, it's, it's pretty much everywhere, but this is just one of the many things specific to a shifting of the narrative or the rap, the cover up. Robbie Starbuck had a great tweet that I saw today. I'd actually didn't even put this together. I had seen this part of it, which just kind of was interesting. I wasn't sure how to place that. And I love that he put this together. Check the dates. What happened? Well, here we have on January 26, 2021. Uh, white people are getting vaccinated at higher rates than black and Latino Americans. And, you know, they were just pushing this in, saying it's inequitable. You guys, it's, it's unfair. We need to make sure they get it for. Well, a lot of it was the fact that most, most, especially black Americans were very suspicious and rightly so, as they've been experimented on throughout history in this country. But that is, uh, you know, different and used when they want to and whatever else. But then we jump to October 19th, 2022, as you might have seen. Whites now more likely to die from COVID than blacks why the pandemic shifted well you can guess at it couldn't you like they are but you know the one thing that you can read both articles and no one is guessing into anywhere is that the one thing that they admitted is happening is the one thing that can't be possible right it couldn't be that they got more vaccines because that's just not possible now i'm not saying i know for sure but you know what we're willing to do in an honest conversation is go could it be absolutely could the thing that we've admitted that kills people in a very 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 rare rate even though it's not rare be adding to the fact that they're dying? <laughs> no, but you just said that it can increase the oh, fake news. You've seen this dynamic and I love making fun of that point. It's just inherently stupid. You can't admit that it causes myocarditis. And then when they point at a myocarditis case, you can't, you scream, it couldn't be the vaccine. That's just dumb, but it's everywhere right now, everywhere. Here's another example. Business leader points out that the ONS in the UK has released its first figures on the UK labor market which saw a rise in the number of people not looking for work due to long-term sickness. Well, of course, it must be long COVID. The thing we can't define that nobody's proven has to be. It couldn't be the fact that people are getting repeatedly sick and their immune systems are collapsing because that's exactly what we've proven these shots do. Fake news can't be. Not possible, right? Even though we've proven that it happens. Also not possible. This contributed to the UK unemployment dropping to its lowest rate in 50 years. It also kind of adds to their agenda by keeping people at home and not working and dropping the workforce. Right? It's all working together, isn't it? Kind of like it was planned. Well, here's an interesting one. COVID-19. Not the injections that have seen a clear overlap with neurological problems. No, no, no. But COVID-19, that we have this flimsy, abstract connection to these problems. Because I argue that the neurological issue is not necessarily the spike protein, but the mRNA specifically and the nanoparticle. That's just my whole another conversation we've had before. So the point being that it's far more likely that you would have these problems from the injection as opposed to the whatever we're calling this you know, problem or flu or COVID-19 or whatever else. What's interesting, though, is you don't have that overlap, right? COVID-19 can, it says for the podcast, increase your risk of developing 44 neurological disorders, 44, including Alzheimer's. 
Right. Okay. So that, let's just say, like, I'm not trying to say that it's not possible because we are objective. And I would say, well, could COVID-19 or any illness increase your risk of neuro? Sure. I, especially something like COVID-19 with the spike protein, if that is what this is, then the way the science has shown that it can affect your brain and so on. Sure. I mean, I'm not, I, the, it would be stupid to dismiss that or rather it wouldn't be objective. It's just as likely if we're looking at the spike protein equally. Right. But the interesting difference is they don't talk about. That was weird. Hold on. Oh, wow. <laughs> a piece just fell off my microphone. Hold on a second. Well, I'll try to talk while I'm doing this. <laughs> there we go. That was interesting. So they're not talking about the possibility that the injection that has lots of peer-reviewed science that is definitely finding an overlap could be part of the problem. Now, that's I, I, I only say that because it should be at least included. Whether or not it's a small possibility, but I will point out that the study itself did a time frame that was early 2021 and before so that they only had a very small percentage of people that had injections. That's the first point to make. So it's more likely that this is, in my opinion, not the injection causing this. Regardless, it's a study aimed in that direction to hide, I think, what's happening now. But my, I'm just these are just over the top points. But here's, I think, the most important point about this article and study. Guess what they did to find where this to, to research this? Well, they leveraged the breadth and depth of this, specifically the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs and the National Health Care Database. So specifically, they used 5 million plus users of the U.S. Department of Veteran Healthcare System. You know, veterans who are totally not always stricken with neurological and mental problems all the time because of the disgusting war that they're put through, right? Interesting choice. Wouldn't it make more sense to just look over, I don't know, a broad, non-specific population group? I found that very, very strange and obvious, personally, that you take a group that's historically riddled with those kind of problems, and then you only use those people, and then you only differentiate them based on whether or not they had COVID-19. It just seems like a strange choice to me. I, you, you guys can read into it for yourself. Regardless of the point, I think it's, or regardless, I think the point is that it's hiding the fact that these are prevalent, far more than looking through a group of people that historically have neurological and, and mental illness problems because of the horrible things that they're forced to do during war. And look at the grouping of population where you have an unprecedented increase in these problems that they don't want to talk about. As we've shown this one many times, COVID-19 RNA-based vaccines are the risk of prions disease, which lists specifically, and it talks about the DDP-43, the transformation of DDP-43 to its pathological prion confirmation. They're talking about Alzheimer's disease, degenerative diseases, and the fact that this is very clearly what's happening, in, according to this study. That's what they find. This was February 2021. Here's another one. This one's peer-reviewed. New onset neurological systems, symptoms, excuse me, related neurological lesions discovered after COVID vaccination, June 20, 15, 2021. Rare neurological disorder documented following COVID vaccination, June 21st, 2021. They just keep coming in. October 25th, 2021. Neurological complications at the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccines and SARS-CoV-2 infection. So there, at least they're including both, right? So clearly you can see that if they wanted to focus on the spike protein, that there is a similar overlap, if that is what we're talking about, right? So realize that if you're talking about the spike protein being a problem, well, it's guaranteed that the thing that makes a lot of them and keeps making them that circulates through your blood is going to be more problematic. And despite how they break it down and hide the data from you, not this study, but the government and people like the CDC or groups, sporadic Crutchfield-Jacob disease after receiving the second dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. And that is the same point, right? So this one is, uh, I forgot what the date was on this one, uh, right here. 
I can't see it. It's too small. I don't, I'm just going it, to, it's, it's irrelevant. It's in the same time frame, but it just relates to this same post and they're finding the same findings later. Here is the point from Canada. And you could find an endless amount of these. Brain buster. <laughs> Mystery brain illness baffles Canadian doctors as cases spread in young people. This is January 4th, 2022, right? So you can have all this peer-reviewed science that specifically finds exactly this problem after injections, and yet they're baffled. It's, it's everywhere. It's in the United States, and they're totally baffled by the problem. It's infuriating. Well, here is the effectiveness of the shots currently. So we have all these issues that they're hiding behind, right? That they're pretending they don't see as we're watching them point to the people actually being hurt by this. And this is while the shot itself is not even remotely as effective as they even pretend that it is. Here is the visor injection, and it's specifically the older non-bivalent versions against the new B, B4, B5, or whatever they're talking about. And it says right here that the Omicron, <clears throat> the SARS-CoV-2 Omicron subvariants 4 and 5 were first detected. Oh, that's right. I wanted to point this out again. I don't, it, it, this is so obvious to me were first detected in South Africa. How many times have I pointed this out? This is the Lancet for crying out loud. It's not hard to find. If you care to look into the truth and don't just pluck the narrative from someone handing it down to you, you can very clearly prove that it first showed up in Botswana. How many times have I made this point? Why is it that this is being hidden? You know my opinion, because this is where something very, very malicious and nefarious took place. I mean, look, just look for yourself. It's, it, they said it was first detected South Africa, December 2021. Here's the Botswana government from the Botswana government Twitter account, very clearly pointing out that the new virus was detected on four foreign nationals who had diplomatic immunity, who had entered Botswana on the 7th of November. Hmm. Well, that's odd, right? If it came to Botswana on the 7th of November and then passed to South Africa in December, well, wouldn't it have started in Botswana? And you're telling me the Lancet of all places can't suss that out, but Ryan can? But you can, but we know it's there, but it's documented if you care to look back. I mean, you just type in Omicron origin, and you'll find this information from places like me and other people talking about this. Isn't that very telling? Something is out there not wanting people to point this out. There were four diplomats with diplomatic immunity on a diplomatic mission who passed into Botswana from somewhere, we don't get to know that information, who apparently did so and brought with them Omicron for the very first time anywhere on the planet or whatever it actually is. And then it went to South Africa, and then all the media said, South Africa! How very alarming and telling is that? Very interesting. <clears throat> but going forward, the part down here is, our results suggest that two doses of the, in, the Pfizer injections offered little protection against the BA4 and 5, which they're telling you because they want you to take the new thing, including hospital admission. So right now, you're not having any, you're, you have little protection at all against what they're telling you is currently mostly everywhere. Even though they're telling you, go get those things first, both of them, before you get the new thing. Even though they have basically no effect, except hurting you, of course. We, forget, we don't include the detrimental, damaging side effects. But then it says a booster, so a third of the old thing, did provide protection against BA4 and 5. But protection was probably, protection probably wanes after three months. And you know why they say probably? Because they just started doing it, and they're going, look, look, it's spiking up. Therefore, it's good. It's helping. But we know... That's not how this works, which is why the other ones are going the same direction. Or rather, they can point to them and say, la, a little no protection. But because we just started this one, remember when I was showing you this in the Scotland data? Where every time the new thought, the shot came out, they'd point to that and say, look, look, that's the, that's the money spot. That's where you need to go, right there. And then the next one come out and you look back and say, oh, it's all collapsing and everyone's getting sick and hurting. Because that's how this goes. Your immune system has been destroyed and it is 
popping up from some manipulation. And by the way, it's not even a positive thing if you're just mass producing antibodies that you don't need. That's what they're calling protection, by the way. They're, as we pointed out many times, they don't have the correlation, the protection correlation. Let's see if I still have that brought up here. I'll find it. It's in here somewhere. But the, the point is the FDA was having their meetings and they made that clear. They said that we, we know we can see a clinical response, but we, don't, we can't prove a correlative of protection. That's so paramount. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. (laughs) I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Okay, that's very clear. Right. So this is my point. So when they see antibodies, they go success, like even Fauci admitted to. Well, we're seeing a clinical response. Is it the right clinical response? And there's plenty of doctors out there that have admitted this, even Fauci himself back when he was at least appearing, to be honest. And now it doesn't matter, apparently. As long as we're producing antibodies, then we're going to call it eff- efficacious. And even that's not I mean, that they're lying about that. And then that collapses anyway. Like this is an utter, complete failure. But let's go to the next one. Right. Because, well, Ryan, it doesn't matter anymore because now we got the new one. Right. Oh, and by the way, this is just funny to me. So this is what they're coming at to try to hide the fail. Like, here's what's interesting is, again, they're showing you take the first two, right? But then they come out with posts like this that says regular exercise may improve the effectiveness of your vaccine. But isn't it already safe and effective? Isn't it saving lives, the miracle drug of the last 20th century? I mean, except, but you, but it'll get better if you exercise, which clearly implies that it's not really as good as it needs to be if you need to exercise to bump it up a little bit. And my point is, well, how about it's just improving your immune system? That's like saying, take some vitamin D. It helps the vaccine work better. Or is it just helping your immune system that that thing's destroying? Funny that it was called dangerous misinformation when they when we brought this up in 2020. Remember that? And we said, we'll just exercise, eat better. Fake news, vaccines, all we got, right? And now they're coming back around and going, oh, exercise. And we'll pretend that's the vaccine helping you as you fight off the problems of the injection by working out and eating better. I, it, it's just, in, it, it's ridiculous. It really is. But here is the most recent one from about the bivalent safety, efficacy, and so on. Here's what it says. It is widely believed in the science and medical community. Oh, great. So we're guessing. Just so we're clear, we're still in the guessing area. We're, we widely think this is the case as we're forcing this in children's arms. We're, it's widely believed in the science and medical communities that these bivalent boosters will work better in preventing Omicron. So we're not even talking about working like pre-COVID land. Like this is effective and safe and good. We're just saying, well, it works as good as the other thing does. So, right, well, that's good. But that's not even the, that's not even what it appears to be the case. But they're believing that's the case. We think that it works as good as before, which, by the way, we should know is horrible, killing people, not bad, not good. The about to evaluate the overall effectiveness of bivalent booster vaccines, a clinical study used a bivalent COVID-19 vaccine that targeted both the original strain and BA1, which you guys know, by the way, for those that are new to this conversation, realize they just took data from a completely different strain and just changed it to the new thing. No new safety tests, nothing. They've admitted that if you're paying attention. The data from that study was were evaluated by the FDA and led to an emergency use authorization. Despite the fact that they've got approved versions on the shelf and multiples other usable uh, products, even like ivermectin, but they claim Paxlovid, and numerous other things that completely make that illegal, by the way. I've proven this on the show. If you have an approved alternative or even just approved product, which they claim spike backs and commodity are on the shelf, and they are approved on paper, and then it's even recommended for the childhood schedule. Like the fact that they're still emergency authorizing anything is criminal, literally criminal. 
the fact that we're even still in an emergency when they tell you that this isn't even an emergency is criminal. But it's just because of the ongoing effects. That'll be on there forever. We're in the new war on terror zone for the biosecurity state. It's going to go on as long as they want it to. In the study, researchers found that people who received the BA1 bivalent booster, so completely unrelated, had a better immune response against COVID Omicron variant BA1. So nothing to do with BA4 and 5. Got it. And compared to those who had received the original. Okay, that has nothing to do when you change the strain and it's a different injection. That's the point. But it says, are these bivalent Omicron boot? I shouldn't say nothing to do. Obviously, there's an overlap, but it's not safe and it's not proven to be safe when they never taste tested it for safety. The vaccines work in this. And by the way, even if it's exactly the same, that's bad because these are dangerous and we need to understand that. These vaccines work in the same way, they say, as the original vaccines and booster shots. And they are made using the same process. Get this. Because of that, there's no reason to think they'll be less safe. So again, we're guessing. But even if they're right, that's bad. <laughs> it's just, they're baking on the illusion that the ones they've already done are safe and effective. That's not true. And everyone is realizing that, even the people that went along already. So all they can do is go, don't worry, they're just as safe as before. And we're like, whoa, okay, <laughs> no, thank you. If that's the reality, then I don't want these things. That's where we are. They're barely arguing that it works as good But guess what? They're coming out and saying, no matter which COVID vaccine series you got or how many original doses you've gotten, so you could have six extra doses by now, it doesn't matter. Get an updated COVID vaccine if it's been at least two months. Well, look at that. Isn't it amazing how that's fleshed out, how we kept telling you years ago that it would be a three-month time frame. Now, they want you to get it in two months because at three months, you're dramatically in danger, right? You have a 76% efficacy if... Trying to transition that seamlessly didn't do a good job, as uh, Ezra Levant points out. And here's the study yourself. According to Pfizer's own documentation, a 76% increased risk of catching anything, including COVID-19, after three months. Right. So understand that it, after after uh, two months, you're down to 9.8 relative risk reduction. That's it. After one day, you're at 55 relative risk reduction. That's meaningless. You don't have protection. This is another game they always play risk, relative risk reduction and absolute. They are hiding it behind that and then even then it still goes to negative and this is the point. This is why they want it two months now. They're just they're trying to dig their ways out dig their way out of a hole. Look at this. I mean just every time I glance over here died suddenly. And these things are changing as fast as they're going up. They are actively trying to suppress this stuff guys. Blue MAGA it's funny. But here is the point on that in regard to the current reality. This is as of today. New COVID boosters aren't better than old ones, study finds, according to Bloomberg. Results show the new shots perform similarly to the past ones, which is exactly why people are going, F that. That is not happening because those things are hurting people. And even we are now seeing that, speaking as people that are new to this topic. Now, to quickly jump over, since I want to make sure I don't run short, I want to make sure I get to the end of this stuff today. The excess mortality part of this is, is just painfully obvious. So you include all the stuff we just talked about, right? All the issues. And before we even get into myocarditis, the reality is that this is an undeniable statistic that in any other time frame, any other situation, this would have been like, okay, hold the phone here. Everything needs to stop. We are seeing a 174% increase in excess mortality out of nowhere. You can't just blame COVID because you can prove these aren't COVID related. So what do we do? We just ignore it, apparently. We act like there's nothing going on. But yet they freak out about the hypothetical risk to some a small amount of children from the idea of long COVID. 
right? Well, sure, we should care about children being die, dying, getting sick from anything. But realize that they're going, oh my God, 400 children were hospitalized during this entire thing. We need to shut the world down. But here we have 45,000 extra deaths or up to 124,000, 174% increase in excess death in general. And they go, nah, whatever, no big deal. Don't look over there. But these 400 children, whew, we got to focus on this problem. It's, it's, it's that simple to see how dishonest they are. They've lost control of the narrative. In week 38 of 2021, 85% of over 60-year-olds in Germany were fully vaccinated. Since then, excess mortality has increased from 45,347 to 124,453. That's an increase of 174%. I mean, unprecedented. If you you saw a 10% increase during COVID, they would have freaked out about this and said COVID was killing the planet like they did with other things that were far less severe. Or an overlapping point is to point out, as we did in the beginning, that tuberculosis kills 1.5 million people a year, and they didn't care about that. And even right now, it's reportedly back to killing more than COVID, and all we talk about is COVID. It's a focus. It's a choice. Does anyone still argue that these products prevent, protect from severe disease or death? Again, that's the real point to make here. This is the real-world data showing you that it does not prevent death or hospitalization, even remotely. It increases your risk. And even then, all they tested was for mild and moderate symptoms, which is why they pretend that they... Or, I mean, really, the whole transmission thing we'll get to in a minute, again, is the thing that they were pretending in the beginning, but, uh, but putting out. The documentation was there, but they did lie to you, and I'll prove that again today, thanks to a specific account, where they, on their own application, it says, to stop transmission... In the same time frame, excess mortality for less than 65 is only increased by 133%. 133% for under 65s at a lower fully vaccinated rate of 68.3% <clears throat> in week 38. This suggests there might be a correlation between vaccination and an increase in all-cause mortality. But nobody's going to look into it from the government, right? See, look, see my point? It's already changed. They, it just disappeared. <laughs> guys, are, these guys are crazy. And they're, I mean, think about what it must be like. Oops for Twitter trying to hide this. Whoever's doing it, just put their hairs on fire every 10 seconds trying to pull down some kind of hashtag while acting like they're not censoring people. Vaccination numbers as of week 41, 2022, are 18 to 59, 82.9%. 60 plus, 90%. These are in Germany, right? So despite lower vaccination, the age group, the proportional increase in excess mortality is lower in the less vaccinated age group. But you could argue the 60 pluses are more at risk in general. But of course, we know they conflate that in with all sorts of things. But this is excess mortality. Either way, though, excess mortality around the world is very clearly correlated with higher vaccination rates. And you can't miss it. It is everywhere. The higher the vaccination rate, almost almost I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I think there was a group that I saw a country I saw that wasn't it was not I mean, it, it was still the same direction, but it wasn't as, as severe. But in most cases, you'll find the highest vaccinated countries have the highest excess mortality right now. Now, here is one of the reasons. There's two. I mean, I mean, the two primary, in my opinion, are the spike protein and the mRNA, which I mean, that's not breaking news. We should all know that by now. But it's undeniable that there are problems, that they're problematic, that they're dangerous, especially when used in, a, in, in <laughs> I guess, irresponsible ways. Here's an expert telling you why the spike protein, first of all, is one of the most toxic proteins the human body has ever seen. And now your drug is repeatedly making that inside your body. Protein is probably one of the most toxic proteins the human body has ever seen. It seems, though, and we have really good data from 
a number of groups, so firstly from Pfizer's own data, and then there have been two independent surveys looking at vaccine injured, both in the US and in Germany. And um, over 80% of the adverse events are neurological, so which is what makes this such a devastating disease. Bingo. Right. So right there, he's telling you right there as an expert that these are neurological problems that are caused by the vaccine. And there's plenty of peer reviewed science that completely finds the same thing. And yet they're baffled. Right. We're so baffled. I'll show you one of the reasons why at least news outlets, supposed news outlets will choose not to cover that. But we'll get to in a minute. Uh, So these people are neurologically impaired. Um, The commonest is overwhelming, severe fatigue and tiredness, then brain fog. So it, if, it, and there you go. And they, they pass that off as a COVID-19 long haul symptom. It interferes with the ability to think clearly, to do cognitive tasks, to function normally as a human being. So it's these overwhelming fatigue, overwhelming tiredness, brain fog. And then they get a, what's, what's called a peripheral neuropathy in which they develop antibodies against the nerve fibers. So they get terrible shooting pains, Mm. paresthesias, numbness in their legs. It's sort of an antibody-dependent enhancement concept, right? Which essentially, I just use that as a reference point for people to real. It's like your body attacks itself. That may not fall into that category, but it's the same idea, right? You are training your body to do things genetically that that aren't safe for you. And let's just even say hypothetically, and I don't agree with this, but that they are generally safe for most people. The point is that this can cause your body to have these effects where you then start attacking yourself. And even if that's a fringe concept, you know, the reality is that you should be able to say no. And the reality is on top of that, you should be able to say no anyway. Now, I don't care if it's the safest thing in the world. You have a right to say no. And you should, and we all know that this is the authoritarian government showing itself. But the reality is that even when they're in, acting like there's no danger, that's why we can force it. There is. And it's obvious. They're just hiding this from you. And now on top of all of that, the reality is it's not a fringe and rare part of it. That it's happening. Un- What's the best word? I mean, there's not even something that does the justice. It is rampant. It's all over. It's everywhere. I can't stop seeing this. And I'm not trying to look for this stuff. I'm looking at corporate discussions and finding it in the cracks. And you can see it. It's everywhere. We're baffled by the. I mean, it's just it kills me. People are suffering. Um terrible pain, burning pains, and which can be enormously disabling. And that seems to be pretty common. And then obviously we have the myocarditis. Um, They can't hide that. So, you know, we we know this particularly affects young men who seem for whatever reason to be particularly vulnerable to developing myocarditis. I don't really know if I agree with that. Like, not that I'm like disputing what the the findings are. I mean, I am anyway questioning it, but I've seen plenty of data that shows that it's much more broad than just this one age group. At the very least, that may be like the, the, the most affected, but it's not just the young men. It's clearly across the board. And I'll even show you one of these studies in a minute, but it does show you that that's a problem. And I think it may just be that they're maybe the most active. And that tends to be one of the problems we're seeing in the athletes and so on. And then there are a whole host of other diseases. Uh, patients get severe ringing in their ears called tinnitus. They get visual problems. Um, they get problems with with walking and ambulation. Um, so it's, it's, it's a spectrum. In fact, there are over 2,000 published peer-reviewed papers right. describing different 
medical conditions associated with the vaccine. But and the vast majority of those aren't being told to people. The informed consent we're talking about, right? They're only going, oh, headaches and, and you know, red and swellness and, and, you know, and some some sweating and that's it, right? And it, it just shows you that it's working. That's, that's, that's what they're actually doing. They're not even telling people about antibody-dependent enhancement, despite that being found in a peer-reviewed study published by NIH that, or at least in the National Library of Medicine, that it needs to be told to people or you're not meeting informed consent. That was an absolute in December 2020. Not once have they done that. Unfortunately, the, the most serious are the neurological, which you know interfere with people's ability to work, to function normally, um, uh, to, to ambulate. So these are really serious complications. So from what I've heard, some of these symptoms of long COVID, as it's called, are also brain fog and fatigue and so forth. So there's an overlap. And then, of course, there's this potential interactive effect where people that are vaccinated are now more likely to become, you know, to, to get COVID. So it could be a double whammy. I don't know if this is uh, something you've observed or is there a way to measure it? Or Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. So it's basically related to the load of spike protein you have. The more spike ah. protein you have, your greater your risk of complications. This is what I'm talking about. Right. This is what I'm talking about. The idea that the, the that if, if we if there is a COVID-19 and there is a spike protein in it, whatever we're talking about, these are all things we should be willing to question these days with how much is going on. But if that's the case, then the injection is creating far more of those. Right. And so it's just a no brainer. And that's what he's talking about. You're it's more problematic. So if that there is a long COVID idea. If, I mean, let's just even say that is happening to a small degree. You have some kind of long fog or whatever. People that are getting the injections are having it exponentially worse because it's continuing to be made and it still gets called long COVID, right? I mean, it's, it's just very clear. And that's why I think that study found, the peer-reviewed study, that, that the people they asked were, it was most almost all psychosomatic because they believed it even though they hadn't proven that they got COVID and they only got the injection. They just assumed that. Organ failure and death. So how do you get more, <laughs> more spike? The more you vaccinated the more spike. But obviously, if you get COVID and you're already vaccinated, you get spike some more. Mm. So basically, the bottom line is don't get vaccinated and um, avoid getting COVID if you're vaccinated. And if you are vaccinated to be, I mean, sorry, if you do get COVID to be treated early, because one of the, again, the reasons for early treatment is that if you treat early, you limit the, the load of spike protein. Ah, and there's the point about ivermectin and the fact that they didn't do any of that. Like, that's one of the biggest travesties of all of this. For those that are in, like, one foot in the mainstream perspective, right? Like, the idea that there, you know, there is COVID and there were a problem, we're fighting it. And, there, you know, the idea that the early treatment was the primary point right there. And all they did was say, go home and let us know when you're dying. I mean, I'm being facetious, but that's literally what happened to my father and plenty of other examples where they just said, here's some aspirin. Let us know if you need an intubator, which, by the way, I keep putting this off, but I've got a whole section about how it's been proven that the vast majority of people that got put on these on these uh, incubators or uh, incubators. um, uh, Son of a gun, I'm blanking on the term. The he just said it, I think, regardless to put on the ventilator, excuse me, died. The vast majority. We knew this because we covered it throughout the process and we listened to the doctors that were speaking up about it. But what's interesting is that that's, you know, coming out even more. And it's just it's, it's very telling. I mean, the more and more you speak to the people beginning to be honest, it's becoming more and more clear how dishonest this whole thing is. One of the, again, the reasons for early treatment is that if you treat early, you limit the, the load of spike protein. I think I'm going to leave it there for interest of time. But it's, it's really important. You watch the rest of this video.
you know, that, that you are, if all, I mean, if they had just chosen to even give people vitamin D, you provable reduction on fact, on, on, on top of that, you're listening, Alex Berninson, cannabis had a huge effect. And there's, I saw two peer reviewed studies that showed that, that, that specifically cannabis and it's many different entourage effect type chemicals, right? That, that's the real term, by the way. The entourage effect is why you shouldn't just take some garbage pill they make from the FDA, but use cannabis with all of its chemicals that work together to improve your body's immune system and health. The reality is that that also had some per- very strong effect. The point being is there's a number of things. And all we did was say, come back later. It's insulting. Now, here's the mRNA part of this. This is somebody else uh, Taylor's already spoken to, Dr. Charles Hoff. He says, quote, in a single dose of Moderna vaccine, there are 40 trillion with a t 40 trillion mrna molecules think about that the mrna is fed into your circulatory system it's inevitable that blood clots will form so obviously the spike protein is part of that but what he's talking about is just the mrna and how that also adds to it so again it's almost if you want to think about it like this it's pretty interesting that you could consider that they planned it because it's like a perfect storm to that all these things working together you know what else causes inflammation nanoparticles specifically and I, I looked at this from the nih website right in the beginning of all this generally nanoparticles have an effect in that regard that they cause inflammation specifically in your reproductive organs and so on it's right on the documents they put out in the peer-reviewed studies so all these things make a perfect storm to create exactly what they pretend isn't happening isn't that interesting well here's dr charles hoff COVID vaccine is 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 injected into your arm we now know that only 25% of it actually stays in your arm. And the other 75% is literally collected by your lymphatic system and fed into your circulation. My so God. these little packages of messenger RNA, and by the way, in a single dose of a Moderna vaccine, there are 40 trillion messenger RNA molecules, 40 wow. trillion that are injected into your arm. So three quarters of these are taken, connected by the lymphatics. They go into your bloodstream in these little packages that are designed to be absorbed into a cell. But obviously when something's in your circulation, the only cells that they're going to get absorbed into is the cells around your blood vessels. And the place where absorption happens is in the capillary networks. In other words, these are the the tiniest vessels where the blood slows right down. These are tiny, tiny vessels. So these little packages of genes are absorbed into the cells around the blood vessels, that's the vascular endothelium. The packages open, the genes are released, your body then gets to work reading these genes and manufacturing trillions and trillions of COVID spike proteins. Here's where the problem comes. In a virus, in a coronavirus, that spike protein becomes part of the viral capsule. In other words, around it's part of like the cell wall around the virus called the viral capsule. But, but it's not in a virus. It's in your cells. So it therefore becomes part of the cell wall of your vascular endothelium. These cells that line your blood vessels, which are supposed to be smooth so that your blood flows smoothly, now have these little spiky bits sticking out. So it is absolutely inevitable that blood clots will form. Right. And as somebody rightly points in the chat, someone tell this to the Red Cross, right? I mean, it's, it's so painfully clear that we're being lied to in every possible way. By the way, uh, this, the tweet that I got this from was just sharing this clip from Janny, but I, I forget the name of the woman and her platform. Somebody could put that in the chat since she's the one 
giving the interview. Uh, I forgot her name. I think it's a it's a partisan platform, but she does. She's been doing a lot of good interviews and talking to a lot of people like this person who, you know, if you, like I made the point the other day, this person. I, I, I remember Taylor's interview. I don't believe he is partisan at all, really. He's just about trying to talk about the truth. And the only people willing to give him the time of day are people like us, nonpartisan, objective, and people on the right. So you got to give him credit for that. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting that, that so they get framed as right and extreme, whatever else, by the Democrats. But the point is that they're the only ones giving them opening. Sort of like when you end up going on Parler or other platforms, you know, uh, or Gab and whatever else, they call you fringe. But guess what? Those are the platforms that are allowing people to talk that get censored elsewhere. You know, it's, it's interesting to see that. But here is the last point that realizing. So all of that being said, all the risk and everything else on top of that. And there's that new study we just saw uh, from it was the Harvard Ionitis study. Uh, was that, I forget the name, Ionitis? And reg- regardless, the point was that they are finding that the risk to people world around is less than the flu. It was like 0. 0.095 the world around. You know, that, and that's, that's uh, average, including all age groups and so on. When you break it down by age, I mean, it's dramatically, ze- there is basically no risk for people under 40, under 50. And that is, that is from peer-reviewed science. And that also adds up with the Oxford calculator. Now, this wasn't just because of Omicron, guys. It has always been like this. So my point is, if you're looking at the peer-reviewed science or just listening to what Canada has to say about how the severity of COVID disease in children is actually less than influenza, when, how do you factor any of this in? Right? Or how do you think about this now? If it's less than the flu, that you're not in that much danger, and you can see that all the danger that it does cause is dramatically more, right? We can see that the excess death is being hidden. We can see the spike protein mRNA are extra dangerous that are being continuously added. The lies about it staying in your shoulder have been long since debunked. I mean, what about this narrative is even true? If you look at the entire frame from the beginning of this to what they're saying now, every single data point is different, except for those of us that have been maintaining what we think is happening and backing up with science. And we're still doing it. Masks are not statistically significant against transmission. The injections are causing myocarditis and causing all sorts of problems. Right? Well, that's still the case. And we were saying at the beginning of being censored for it, along with a lot of people. Isn't telling that their narrative is flipped on its ear, but we're the ones that still maintain the same line? What does that show you? So here is the myocarditis overlap, which is obviously in the same vein of that conversation, but just wanted to focus specifically on the blood clots or rather the fact that those things are happening. But this is everywhere. Now, do we know that this kid for the podcast, family pays tribute to handsome boy, 15 years old, who collapsed and died in a city center restaurant? And do we know this kid was because of the injection? No. We do know that the vast majority of people in these areas and these groups specifically are at least one. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters. But the point of the conversation is that it doesn't matter insofar as that the point being that this is being covered up. Died suddenly, collapsed all over. And nobody wants to care. Nobody asks anymore. What was what did he die from? We don't know. Okay, well, if we don't know and we have an overwhelming amount of children collapsing left and right, we don't know why. Why don't we care about that? Because inside of them, they know that it's creeping up on the vaccine conversation. So they just whistle Dixie and walk along and go, oh, you know, kids die sometimes. Okay, it happens sometimes. But of course, if it's the other side of the conversation, you don't care if a child dies. COVID-19 vaccine's got to be given. Right. It's, it's, contra- it's contradictory all over the place. The sad reality is this is in many cases, as even Dr. Maholcher points out, related to the injections. And they're hiding that from you. Here's an alarming, alarming study or rather the article about it from the Daily Skeptic. MRNA vaccines injure the heart of all vaccine recipients, according to the new information, and cause myocarditis in up to one in 27 people. How crazy is that? Now, read this all for yourself. I want to play a clip for you. But I just want to read this part. The Swiss study mentioned in this article or the clip I'll play 
was recently highlighted by Dr. Vinay Prasad and comes from the European Society of Cardiology. It confirms the tie result, finding at least 2.8% with subclinical myocarditis, different than clinical myocarditis, possibly more as the researchers excluded half of the cases as possibly from another case cause. Dr. Prasad observes that this means subclinical myocarditis is hundreds of times, as he says, two orders of magnitude more common than clinical myocarditis. The rates were highest in women at 3.7, which is really interestingly contrasting to the, our, the men on the other side of it. So I argue again, that shows you that there, if you could find that difference, there's something amiss here. It says, which is one in which ultimately adds up to one in 27 vaccinated in the study that they just did. Incredible. Now you can, I mean, you should question this. You should wonder if they got something wrong, if there's a reason they lied about it. But you know what you can't do is act like it's not there. These are peer-reviewed studies. Now, here is what uh, Vinjay had to say. Now, I want uh, Vin, Vinay, excuse me. I want to play this. Now, this, this is coming from a slightly mainstream kind of perspective. But it's interesting how even these people are beginning to open their eyes to the reality here. So just listen to what he has to say. I think this is interesting. Oh, wait, did I play? Let me see. Forget if I had that downloaded. Or if I wasn't going to play it, I forget what I decided. But let's see if I play it here. I'll just download it real quick. Oh, well, let's see if it's loud. Now I'll do it here to save, save time. Let's do it here. Myocarditis. There's new data that comes out from the European Society of Cardiology. It's from Switzerland. And in honor of that, I'm drinking coffee from my Swiss mug. No, that, let me walk you through the available data. Now we all know that mRNA vaccines are associated with myocarditis. It's rare, but it is an important safety signal. It's not rare. It's more likely to affect men than women. I'm talking about clinical myocarditis after mRNA vaccination, and it's more likely to affect people in a certain age range. And that age range is about 16 to 24. That's the peak demographic. And it's still important from 24 to 40. It's still important from 12 to 16. It's still probably important in 10 and 11, but it is most important 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. That's the core group with the absolute highest risk. What you see on your screen now is an analysis by Ali Krug, Josh Stevenson, and Tracy Beth Hogg that appears in a European journal that shows you a rate of myocarditis after vaccination stratified by age and gender. Now, many people try to purport that COVID-19 is worse than vaccination and that it's always worse than vaccination. But often what they do is they provide statistics for the aggregate population. Uh -huh. They don't break it down for men in that certain mm -hmm. age group. That's a mistake because it's not a mistake. It's a choice. Right. Like they do in every other situation we see in many cases, it's a choice where they choose to do that. So it doesn't look it, it, you get a different result. Right. It's like in the beginning when you know that the vast majority of people suffering from what was happening were over 60 in nursing homes. But if you average it out, it looks like everybody has a, some kind of danger. When you don't, it looks like everybody has less than flu danger, except those you jammed into nursing homes. Right. That's how that plays out. On the other side of it, they do it. So it looks like we're all in danger and it promotes what they want to accomplish. Right. So it's a choice when you want to or it's a, a mistake when you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But that's we're past that. We're long past the benefit of the doubt when these people are willfully hiding information from us. But before, well, since I paused it, I just want to point this out. What's interesting is he includes this study in this conversation. And this is one of the main things he's pointing at. April 20th, 2022, SARS-CoV-2 vaccination and myocarditis in Nordic cohort study of 23 million residents. PhD, PhD, PhD. Right. No slouches here. Question, is SARS-CoV-2 messenger RNA vaccination associated with myocarditis? Four different countries, 23 million people, 
What I found interesting is it says results of this large cohort study indicated that both first and second doses of mRNA vaccines were associated with increased risk of myocarditis, pericarditis. Now, here's the main point. This is where these numbers came from in the past. And it's a newer study or April where people are pointing out the one in 3000. It's actually one in 3500. That's real. Despite the fact that the mill or the, the, the government still says one, one in a million, like well, two in every million people or whatever the garbage narrative they're spinning is. Here's what continues to be found. These findings are compatible with between four and seven excess events in 28 days per 100,000 vaccinees after Pfizer and between nine and 28 after Moderna. So just looking at Moderna specifically, 28 in, per, two, two, in every 100,000 breaks down to 1,3500 and, and some change. So just understand that how, that's not rare. That's not even remotely rare. If we're to, I don't care if it's seven or let's just even say four in 100,000 or nine in 100,000. That's not rare. And not only is it not rare, it's dramatically more than they keep lying to you about. So I just think it's strange that you would keep saying it's rare. And that's kind of my point. Not, I think this video is pretty well done. But nonetheless, I think it's interesting that people like this still want to toe the line. Like saying a few months ago that, well, it still has an effect between, you know, 40s and 45s and those. Like I remember Dr. Malone was saying that. And now they've changed their tune. Right. Interesting. They have the data in front of them, just like we did, as we were saying back then, that it's not safe for those people. Now they're saying the same thing. Was that because they didn't see it or because they were trying to slow roll the information because they were trying to hang on to their normie audience? I don't know. Either way, it's interesting that keeps happening. I think that, that's the point. Here we go. You can figure out pretty clearly who are the men in that age group, and you can provide different recommendations to those men. <clears throat> Pfizer has a post-marketing commitment, according to this US FDA, to provide these data, the data that I'm going to show you from Switzerland, the data that I'm going to show you from Thailand, they have an obligation to randomly sample and report troponin levels in people who have been vaccinated. This is part of their post-marketing commitment. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, they've never been good at post-marketing commitments. There are a number of government... All right, I'm running short on time, guys. and They haven't done it, is the point. That's what he's getting at here. And I just want to cut to the chase here. Watch this video for yourself. Now, he reads through this, and what he makes a good point on this is they essentially... Hey, let me play this one part real quick. This, I think this is an important part. He makes this good point, evaluating the true incidence of subclinical myocarditis of major importance. This information is required for informed decision-making mm. for patients, physicians, and public health authorities. Given the apparent need for repetitive, possibly yearly booster vaccinations for billions of humans worldwide with no end in sight, due to diminishing protection months after the last COVID vaccine. So why does it matter? Even if a little bit of heart muscle is dying, if you're doing that year over year over year, Dr. Mueller is concerned, what is going to be the implication on the car? What, what do you mean? What is it? Let's just be honest. What do you mean? <laughs> What's going to be the implication that your heart's going to die more than it should? I mean, it's a silly, I don't know. The point is though, that that is taking into consideration the idea that this is only a small problem and it's not that big of a deal now. But again, there is no part where your heart has a small part of the muscle that dies and that's not a very serious problem. Like Dr. Drew even said, pre-COVID, this was like rush to the hospital, you might die. Now it's like, well, you know, kids die from heart problems. It happens all the time. That's crazy. So even if you take their narrative, he's pointing out that, that they're talking about repetitive boosters, right? They've been saying this for a while now. It's going to happen yearly and it will continue to hurt them. It's a valid point. But cutting to the chase, the point is the results show a dramatic, dramatic increase. And that's what he's getting at in this, in this discussion, that it boils down to up to one in 27 people in this study got myocarditis and it was pr subclinical and problematic, like not a, not a small issue that he just dismissed. Here's the study. You can check it out for yourself. It's important information. Now, on top of that, the important thing to remember is this is a huge study 
a large population-based study peer-reviewed from April 15th of this year. And that what did they find? Again, post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incident of either of them after patients recovered from COVID-19. So I don't care if you think that this is they're wrong, so on. You have to consider that this might be the case. And meanwhile, you get a lot of many, much smaller studies with smaller groups with observational things or, you know, cl- uh, lab study kind of things that aren't peer reviewed, aren't random controlled trial studies that are finding that COVID-19 causes long haul or causes myocarditis or any number of things they want to say. I shouldn't say long haul because they haven't found that. But this is important because they, I think the reality is that there is no association other than a very small connection because of spike protein or so on. And it didn't show up in this study. I'll, I'll give it. I think there's probably something. But the reality is that the injection is dramatically more dangerous in regard to the spike protein being continued to be produced and the mRNA and the lipid nanoparticles rather than nanoparticles encapsulated in lipids, which has a oh, discussion to be had there. The lipid nanoparticles themselves are shown to be not for human use. And the fact that there's so many points to this. But here's an important part about the long COVID. As PLC points out, based upon Google searches, it appears that long COVID only exists in the Anglosphere, Anglosphere nations. Ireland, Australia, UK, Canada, New Zealand, and the USA. Isn't that interesting? Does COVID somehow know if you speak English? Why no interest in long COVID in Japan or Sweden or Italy or Brazil? Isn't that strange? Apparently it knows. Like the joke that Denny Rancourt and others make that apparently the COVID knows the can respect borders, right? Because that makes sense. Because data, data, statistically wise, you can prove that's what apparently happened. That it stopped along the U.S. border, right? It's just, it's just ridiculous. Goes on to say, Google's interest map underplays the stark differences. Long COVID is literally a hundred times more prevalent as a search term in Ireland than in South Africa, South America, and South America has had almost has had most COVID cases and deaths per capita. How does that make sense, right? In Japan, long COVID doesn't even show up when compared to the neutral terms such as watermelon, right? Now, cut to the chase again. The point here, yeah, same points, is that somebody made a valid point and said, well, they don't speak English in these countries, right? That would make sense, except it doesn't really hold water because we know in most of these countries, let me just take the examples they're supplying. English is almost typically, if not the, if one of the leading languages spoken in these countries because of the U.S. influence. We see that everywhere in the world. It's like that in most places, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing for a lot of these people. But at the end of the day, That means that they would be discussing long COVID to some degree, but it's basically non-existent outside of these countries. You know why? Because we have an aggressive and a a constant overbearing media apparatus that is propagandizing you every single day about what you're supposed to think. That's why. Now, it's happening everywhere else, too, but it can't be that clear cut if it was everywhere and it was happening to everybody, right? They're talking about long COVID, too. These studies are being pointed at around the world, but why is it overly represented there? Because we're being lied to. That's my obvious opinion. I think the data backs that up. Now, here's one last point on the myocarditis. Get this. This is the, this is the health group in Australia now admitting the ATAGI didn't know about the high, this is the approval group or the, the regulatory agency didn't, didn't know about the heightened risk of myocarditis in young men until five months after Pfizer Moderna approval in Australia. You know who did before that? We did. You did. So ask yourself how this Health agency regulating information for your safety had no idea. Pfizer sure knew. Moderna knew. We've proven that. They covered it up. But apparently they didn't know. So what? there's many ways to take this point. First of all, no matter how this plays out, as they're screaming it's safe and effective, there's every reason in the world to think that they could be lying, they could be wrong, they could be manipulated. So you have every right to say, hell no. And you have, they have no legal right to force you to take it anyway. 
But on top of that, it shows you that there's there's manipulation and lies taking place, whether it's by Pfizer, the, mil the, the media or the governments themselves hiding it from you because it is there. The evidence has been. Now, the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunization has revealed it did not know of heart risk until five months after approving these for kids and telling you they were safe and effective. This is from yesterday. The updated document published by the health authority in late September has attracted serious attention this month as it showed the side effect was unknown to the group in May 2021 as we were all screaming about it being censored for it, right? And this wasn't because we guessed. The vaccine was provisionally approved for use on January 25th, 2021, almost five months prior. The revelation, the revel, the revelation raises questions over Australia's vaccine mandates, considering the risks associated with both of them, which were highlighted by the health body. A small increased risk of myocarditis or pericarditis, they say, has been observed. A small risk. This is how they play the game. In people following vaccination compared with unvaccinated people. So clearly they're saying it's a higher risk versus people that never got the shot. We know this by now, though. But what they will say is, though, they still encourage to get a booster shot anyway. By the way, specifically for the group that they claim is the most at risk of that problem. Not even making this up. So we're, we're 18 to 26. The young people are at the most risk. But go specifically young people, go get that shot. Despite data indicating heart issues were more common. How does that even make sense? These people should not have these positions. However, the group maintains the threat of virus continues to outweigh the heightened heart risk. That's how they play this game. And that's not only a false choice, it's not even true. First of all, the point I just showed you, the peer-reviewed science that you should consider that says that's patently false. They could be wrong, but you should consider it. On top of that, we can see that it's a false choice. You have to get COVID first, which is a very low risk for most people to have the risk they claim is there, but it's not. Then you get the injection. That's instant. You have an instantaneous, potentially one in 3,000, 3,500 risk of getting this problem. I don't even know how you make sense of that safe and effective. That What an what a absolute travesty. Now, here is the point. Hat tip to this account right here. Surf Spree. Nothing to see here. Just a simple biotech, biotech application in 2021 where it is. Son of a gun. I hate when I do that. I don't know. I haven't missed that. Where it is is clearly stated the proposed indication for use is guess what active immunization to prevent COVID-19 i.e. stopping transmission good for, thank you for pointing this out here's the actual application to market a new or abbreviated new drug presented May 2021 this is for the approval process BioNTech active immunization to prevent COVID now let's not play this game where they pretend that well when you reduce symptoms that prevents COVID that's not what that means they would write that this is meant to stop the transmission of COVID-19. That's what that means. That's how they frame this. That's what they've been saying from the beginning. And the point is, we've already proven that to you. Borla, more than once. Here's our study in Africa that shows 100% reduction of transmission. That's tweeted out, saved. We've all pointed at it. The media somehow can't find that for their excellent due diligence and their journalism skills, right? They just can't find it. It's not true, apparently, to them because they don't know it's there. Children. But the point is, it's very clear that they did try to argue that it stopped transmission. So thank you for pointing this out. She's right. I, I, I guess I'm assuming it's a girl. I don't know. Tuesday's episode of The Ben Shapiro Show stated, it's now perfectly clear that we were lied to. You see my point, though? That's not how this went down. They're still pointing at the idea that that Pfizer lady said what she was supposed to say in that moment as if that all shifted the narrative. So apparently, let me just read through this, actually. It says, and this is Ben Shapiro speaking. 
And we were lied to at a very high level and from, from very, very early on by both of the vaccine companies in terms of the ability to the vaccinate to prevent transmission. This is a guy who was pushing the injection, who was calling us conspiracy theorists in the beginning of this and by our politicians who apparently knew better. I guess he's now aware because that one lady said it out loud. Where were you, Ben? Where were you when we were pointing at all the peer-reviewed science? Where were you when we were saying this back in 2021 in the beginning? pointing the reality out that we knew it or even 2020 when i was pointing out forbes article that said it very clearly oh you were calling us conspiracy theorists that's right well the point is that apparently he's only aware of this now when he's allowed to be aware of it when the apparatus goes look ben here's what you're supposed to think today that's a problem whether he knows that or not it's a shapiro sense of betrayal comes after the executive stated that it didn't stop transmission or rather, stop immunization is what she said. I don't know, it's weird. President Joe Biden said with confidence in 2021, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. You know, we know that Borla and many others said the same thing. So they did lie to you. However, it was not new information. It was there. We've been talking about it. It'd been posted for a long time, yet they all did lie to you, right? There's two parts of the story that people aren't getting correct. It says that they lied on their new drug application. Thank you for pointing this out. Check out the box where it says that. So there's the point. They did lie and it stated right there. But it's interesting that a lot of these partisan, especially high level people are completely outside the information that is very readily available. Why is that? Were they ignoring it or did they not see it? In any case, just think about that when you go to the next per when you go to watch somebody in the independent media. Now, I've got to go ahead and skip some of these. Unfortunately, I'm going to get back to them because it's real. I'm going to play. Well, I play this opening. I'll play this again for those that didn't miss it. I want to get in. I have 15 minutes left and I want to get into the rest of this finishing part. But here is a great press conference that I'm going to follow up on again. I've got uh, different timestamps saved. The point is they're standing up and calling out many different things. That Borla refused to answer questions. They gave them a blacked out press uh, information packet that had no. They, that was supposed to be their transparency that was all blacked out. They talk about how they lied about this. They lied about that. They were, you know, there's no way they could have known about the Omicron variants in this certain time frame. They're, they're calling out everything. Members of European Parliament, they have been for a long time. Good for them. Now, here is somebody, this is Steve Kirch, during the FDA panel, this was yesterday, uh, two days ago, saying, we are killing more people than we are saving with these shots. Just good to see that these people are speaking openly at these panels. This is Steve Kirch, who has been for a while now. Remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that the vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. There shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll include this when we go back over the other information. But, you know, this is the problem is they go, oh, well, you know, heart attacks, and they dismiss these as if it wasn't related or everything in the first 21 days. Oh, that's not that's unvaccinated. There's a thousand ways they game this like everything else. And conflating flu and pneumonia, using cycle threshold, different cycle thresholds for when they test on different sides of this. I mean, it's everything, everything under the sun right now they're using to manipulate how this looks to you. It's constant. And here is the doctor that we just, we're, I'll play this again in, in the near future. I'll probably play the entire, a huge part of this, but just to hear it again in case you missed the opening. These people are standing up and yelling about what's happening in Australia, if you're listening. Actually, that's not the right one. I wanted to play just the clip. Hold on. Ah, uh, here it is. We must face reality. The COVID gene-based vaccines have undoubtedly failed to live up to expectations. 
These so-called vaccines do not prevent infection. They do not prevent transmission of infection, and they are not keeping people out of hospital. These so-called vaccines are not safe. They have caused more deaths and serious adverse effects than any drug in the history of medicine. Anyone who disagrees with these simple facts has just not bothered to look. Too many lives have been lost. The time has come to speak the truth. Here we go. Now, in the interest of time, I'm going to skip. I, I was going to go over an Iran discussion, and there, I, and I will. I'm going to make a point to do all this the next day because this is important stuff. Just the absurd press briefing and their arguments about Iran and Russia, and you know the idea. I want to make a quick point, by the way, in regard to my point when this first started being discussed. Somebody reached out and said, "You're miss, you're completely missing information about the Iran drone thing and overlap." And I just want to reiterate what I said during my, when I talked about that. I was not implying that these weren't Iranian drones. If you remember, I said, I don't know, because I didn't. And I'm almost about that. But what I simply pointed out was that we should ask the question when these things come up. Could this be something different? And I simply pointed to the the article that that reported that the U.S. had sent drones to Ukraine. Right? I was not implying that these weren't Iranian drones, because I didn't know. The information had just come out. I just want us to continue to temper what they're putting in front of you with the possibility that could be a lie. Even looking at it even one step further. What's the possibility that they're all lying together? Right. That Russia and the United States, I mean, anything is possible. So it could be a lie meant to drive you in a certain direction. That's all I was pointing out, that we should ask that question. Right. On top of this, it does seem it does appear to be clear. And I still think it's being fleshed out to a certain degree because I think Russia is still denying it. But even Robert seems to think very clearly that these are Iranian drones that are being used, that there's more to the story and how it's playing out. And the big story is that. They're pointing at something pretty benign when it comes to the basic playing. Like, look at the U.S. government. Look at Obama's tenure with the drone campaign that killed 90 plus percent civilians. Nobody cares about that. Right. But now we have Iran because they're bad guy selling drones to the bad guy who are then using them in the completely normal sense of war that right now they're doing with Ukraine in the same way is suddenly oh, complete terrorism. So what's the difference of the U.S. government giving drones to the Ukrainian government that they've been doing long before this ever started, by the way, and that letting them use them, knowing that these are wild extremist Nazi elements, which you know, don't even include that part of it because that, that does change it. But the idea that what's the difference? So why is it bad for Iran to give drones to their ally when they're in a setting? Oh, because they're bad guys and we don't like them. Therefore, what they're doing is bad. This is the childish narrative. That's all this is. It's bad because they're bad guy. That's all they have. And it's silly. Now, look, the idea about what's happening there should matter. If they're killing civilians, of course it should matter. But how about, I mean, they again, the overlap is more about the idea of the Iranian protests and how they're working with them now. And apparently they're suppressing their protests. But don't forget how this has all been manipulated from the very beginning. Robert's been covering this. Iran's protests are no longer about women's rights. They're working with a, a known member of the, a lady that literally works with the U.S. government, literally gets paid by the U.S. government who is leading these protests and then, of course, what they stand up and say is, oh, there's great people at these protests. Like, maybe you think of Trump saying great people on both sides. And they go, oh, my God. She literally said that. So you're trying, what about the people that are stoning people to death? What are the ones that are out there burning people alive in the streets? Oh, they're good people, though, because they're fighting for freedom in Iran. It's just dumb the way they cover these things. Robert's point is these people that are doing those things are not there for women's rights, that these are Kurdish elements and people that are, fight, that are there at the behest of the U.S. government to cause chaos. It's very clear. 
That doesn't mean that everyone doing these protests are all part, but it shows you that by and large, it's being driven by outside forces. And it's easy to prove. Now, here's the overlap quickly, is they care about these ones. What happened when, when Shireen Abu Akli was murdered by Israel? A U.S. citizen. Do they care about that? No, they called it all sorts of other things and didn't talk about it. See the, see the overlap? Why does one matter, not the other? That was a, a journalist who got murdered in the streets. And even when they had the, the procession with the funeral, the police came out and tried to knock it down. But nobody cares about that. But the argument over here is that she was beat and killed while she was in, in custody, except that's been proven not to be the case. They, there's no evidence she was beaten, no evidence of anything other than a cardiac arrest. Certainly could be something, but they haven't proven that. If she was tortured to death, wouldn't there be proof of that? There's not. It was been, it's been proven not to be the case. Finally, just you might have just seen Israeli forces kills four in Jenin, mutilated the dead body, wrote something in Hebrew on the dead body, but none of that matters, right? Why is there a focus on something? I mean, you know the answer to this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this off quickly here. Let's jump to the end part about this and the digital ID. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation pledged $200 million for digital IDs as part of a shift towards totalitarian society, Don Bongino says. PolitiFact says, fake news. Okay, well, that's interesting. Did they pledge $200 million? Yes. For digital IDs? Yes. Okay, so what's fake exactly? It's, it's as ridiculous as you might think. I'm just going to jump to the end. I'll, again, I'll probably revisit most of this. The foundation is not allocating a specific dollar amount for any one component of their digital ID, digital infrastructure focus. Literally, that's their argument. It says the infrastructure includes tools like interoperable payment system, digital IDs, data exchange systems, databases for records like birth and death certificates. But fake news because it's not all for digital IDs, though. <laughs> right. Literally what that says is exactly what, what Don, 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 yeah, Dan was talking about and what we're all pointing out. But because you small, some small caveat, completely fake, all wrong, well, let's prove to you that's not true. But here's James Melville pointing out the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has made over $300 million worth of donations to, you know, media. Big surprise. They won't bite the hand that feeds them. I completely agree. And it's everybody you might expect, even including groups like Al Jazeera, ProPublica, and all these different groups in there. But just in case you want to check, here's the way to do it. Here's the Gates Foundation Committed Grants page. You could search for it, CNN, and look at that. Boom, $3.6 million donated to CNN. I'm sure that has no influence over their journalism, right? Well, here is Bernie's tweets pointing out where your government becomes your stalker. The poorer you get, the more you will rely on government handouts, trading your freedom for food, all monitored through your digital ID. And that's the crux of the issue. They're arguing a lot of these things aren't happening. That's not going to lead to that. But the point is, it all comes together. All the things they're instituting, will do, they will need something like a digital ID to make it all work. And that will be their argument. Right, And here is a clip from China where they're praising what's coming your way. Everywhere she goes, Ouyang Haoyu is followed. What she buys, how she behaves, is tracked and scored to show how responsible and trustworthy she is. It's called the social credit system, and in one version now being tested, a person's reputation is scored on a scale of 350 to 950. And Haoyu, with a good score of 752, is okay with it. In fact, most people are. It's a mechanism like uh, pushes you to become a better citizen. It's big. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you really believe that? They, I'm sure they happily pick the one person that's willing to say that on the record. I know plenty of resistance. Like also realize that if she were to speak differently, well, her score goes down. I'm sure that has no effect on her telling them what they're supposed to say. That is your future, guys. And here is where it's already going. This is where we are right now. October 25th, U.S. citizens were given secret COVID decree violation scores. 
This is not a joke. This is reality in your country. Voter and analytics from PredictWise harvested location data from tens of millions of U.S. cell phones during the initial COVID lockdown months and used this data to assign a COVID-19 decree violation score to the people associated with those phones. Oh, and who run, who's the lead individual at the PredictWise location? Oh, no big deal. Just David Rothschild. <laughs> Nothing to see there. A conspiracy theorist. These COVID-19 decree violation scores were calculated by analyzing nearly 2 billion global positioning system pings, GPS. So tracking your, per- your literal location in real time. Ultra granular location patterns. People who were on the go more often than the neighbors were given a high violation score. Right. So they know you're violating our decrees. That's what this is. Literally. Not only did PredictWise use this highly sensitive location data to monitor Americans, millions of them and their compliance with COVID lockdown decrees, but it also combined this data with follow up surveys to assign COVID concern scores to the people who were being surveilled. So they're watching you now like they already are anyway, PredictWise then used this data to help Democrats in several swing states to target more than thirty three thousand five hundred three. 350,000, God, I can't even speak, COVID-concerned Republicans with COVID-related ad campaigns. So not only was this used, it was used to target specific political entities they were concerned about. I mean, this is off the rails. This is exactly what we're always telling you they're doing and they try to lie about. In this white paper, PredictWise claims that Democrats were able to, quote, deploy this real-time location model to open up just over 40,000 persuasion targets that normally would have fallen off for Mark Kelly, who was running for Senate at the time and has now been elected. I wonder if that had any influence on it. What do you think? Local data and survey survey data. Now, look at these are the people screaming about election interference, right? But that's okay because they're the good guys. Don't forget that. Location data and survey data are just two of the many types of data PredictWise claims to have access to. The rest, I guess we don't get to know. But it's your data, but you don't get to know. According to the white paper, PredictWise also tracks telemetry data, I mean, in regard to how it affects you and what they have on you, which is passively sourced cell phone data, media consumption data, what you watch, what you listen to, what you think, unregistered voter data. I mean, this is crazy. In total, PredictWise says its data tracks the opinions, attitudes, and behaviors of over 260 million Americans. That's 78% of the entire population. PredictWise uses the data to collect, to create, it collects to create scores on 13 issue preferences, clusters, and seven value frame or psychometric clusters. That's what it sounds like. These clusters use more than 30 million behavioral data points. PredictWise also claims to be able to use this data to predict the party of unregistered voters. My God, the mass surveillance of location data and lockdown compliance is just one of the many examples of the large-scale data harvesting that occurred during the pandemic and goes on till now, I add. Private companies track the everyday activities of citizens. Of course, this is the public-private partnership idea, pushed remote learning surveillance technologies, increased surveillance in the workplace, and more. Meanwhile, governments ushered in numerous forms of surveillance, such as forcing citizens to wear ankle bracelet trackers, secretly surveilling vaccine recipients via their phones, and combining vaccine passports with digital IDs. Here we are. You're being monitored, and you're being graded right now. It is coming. It is happening. It already happened in Canada. 33 million phones tracked during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Here's Bernie's tweets pointing out. Governments in Japan are now ramping up pressure, telling them to get your digital IDs, or guess what? Tomorrow you're going to lose your health insurance. Remember when this was a conspiracy theory? It's all being forced in right now. Here's something uh, um, Scott shared with me. Pay with a ring or a key ring, right? This is a new transition to being able to just kind of have your digital ID and your transactions right on your phone or on your finger, and then maybe it'll go inside your finger. That's what they're all telling you is coming next. 
Well, here is what the central bank digital currencies will be used, how they'll be used to control your life. We've already shown you this, but it's important to hear it again, to program what you can do or not. A key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important, and that makes a huge difference with respect to what, uh, to what cash is. Right. So they can control what you buy, what you do, and they can shut it off if you don't. It's as simple as that. And you know a real-world example of that? Right now, you might have missed this. PayPal just added back <laughs> the fee of $2,500. The thing that they swore up and down was a complete error. It was a mistake. Oops. It was a clinical error. Our mistake. We didn't mean to put it out, except they clearly did, which they added it back. How stupid is this? As I said, PayPal, you're pathetic. Selling out your own users. You add theft to your user agreement, then second-guess it and pretend it was a mistake only to reinstate the same penalty that you just claimed was accidental in a slightly more abstract way. So thieves, sycophants, and liars. Got it. Just so that's clear. And we, they reinstated this. You can see it right there. Here's the documents. For, this, this simply says that they include a, a $2,500 fee. for Basically, what they're saying now is, well, if we have to shut your account down, that might, make, that might make us have to use money to like for legal processes and so on. So we're just going to charge you out of the gate just in case. It's, just a, it's a sidestep of the same reason, which is false, inaccurate, misleading information, hate speech, whatever they're already doing. You must not do this or that will happen. That is the reality. That's where it's going. Finally, as this is the same point, you know what they already call misinformation? Everything we're talking about. There's somebody put out as a joke. Only women can get pregnant. PayPal balance, minus $2,500. That's how that's going to work, guys. They're not even hiding this because that is one thing you're not allowed to do. And if you do, they're going to charge you and argue it's to get ahead of any kind of legal processes they might have to pay for. How insulting. Well, here is Rishi at COP26 telling you that they're already trying to plan to rewire the entire financial system for net zero. So if you think that they're, so that's the same point. So if they're realigning the financial system for net zero, well, if you challenge that, you're going to get your money taken away or your bank shut down a point that we're seeing circulate quite a bit. When's the last time you saw a child molester or a rapist or a murderer or a high-level political criminal get their bank account removed? Never, as far as I can remember. But you know who does all the time? Political manipulators. Or rather, they're censoring our accounts, right? So if you go out and protest in Canada, your bank account's removed, right? If you dare challenge misinformation on, on PayPal, you get your bank account removed or your money taken. It's funny how they allow the work with the Epsteins of the world, but not you guys telling the truth. It says a lot, doesn't it? Here's what he had to say. This is the first cop to bring together so... Actually, on that note, I got one minute left. So basically, the point is, guys, watch for yourself. He's telling you, this is how... We're going to redirect the entire system towards net zero. And here's how it starts. Canada's first carbon tracking Visa credit card to be launched, 2023. And that's where it ends up. Right? They are driving you into this future. The digital ID will be necessary to to catalog all of this as they're already grading you. And if you don't do it, you get marked down. This is already happening, guys. It's about time that people that don't want to speak about it have the courage to stand up and scream about it. Now, I'm jumping over to the show with them. I'm going to jump over right now. So I don't know if it's live or available, but if somebody has it, please post in the chat. Thank you for being here, guys. More coming, hopefully tomorrow. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.